The Trilogy Podcast with Vin and Scott. Three movies, two men, one podcast. Scott, you can't do the baby voice. Don't. Where? I told you not to give Please any. Please give me the baby voice. <laughs> no baby talk for this. It's bad enough that we had to watch these movies. It's true. Seriously. And, it, and it, we watch these movies for a very important reason. Because we are the Trilogy Podcast. Mm. My name is Scott. And I'm Vin. And we are the only podcast devoted strictly to trilogies. No reboots. No straight to cable. We're talking legit trilogy is only here, folks, okay? Humor. We're talking debate. We're bringing you facts, trivia, more. The hell with the movie they made four. Did you say trivios? Trivialogies or something like that. But I liked it. Yeah. It made sense to me. <laughs> That's what we're about. <laughs> only trilogies. We're, yeah. And it's our commitment to trilogies that puts us in the position to actually view this trilogy. We haven't said it yet, but the... Talk of a baby in the beginning might have given it away. Yes. Scott, which one is it? It's the Look Who's Talking trilogy. Yay. <sighs> yes. Because you were I've... desperate for a movie, for a Christmas movie. You have this fascination with connecting all of our podcasts to a holiday. Yes. So I like to be timely. I, I, I respect that in, <laughs> in some way, I suppose. I mean, it makes more sense than if we did it in like June, you know? Um, this, Agreed. But this has a very minor Christmas connection, only really the well, third, the third movie. film is definitely a Christmas movie. Right. And, uh, you know, this, of course, is a, a bit of a kid's movie. Kids we had around. to knock down another kid's movie. Wait, you know, before we get into that, let's just ask our old friend Trilogy Bot exactly what kind of trilogy this is. That's a good idea. Because once he says it, we can then get into discussion. Exactly. You see how that works? Yes. You do? I was jumping the gun. I was jumping the gun. Here we go. Look Who's Talking falls into a category called, A Little Something for the Kids. Written for children, story takes a backseat to characters, gags, and gimmicks. Like the backseat I did your mother's on. I ignore him now. No. Just just, he's gonna do what he's gonna do. It's like one insult at the end, and as if he got the last word. Uh, Yeah. We then talked for 55 minutes, so. So, seriously. Um, So it's definitely another kid's... Yeah, and I'm for the kids. I've been pushing uh, a little something for the kids is what we call it. Yes, as we call it. We um, have to knock these down. There's so many kids. I've actually been pu- pushing this uh, from the beginning. Weirdly, yeah, because I thought it, I I just thought it would make a good episode to talk about. This is kind of like Fair the enough. strangest trilogy I think we have on our list. Another one of these movies where it's a significant movie for my middle school time and for your grammar school yeah. time. Yes, I was very young. So. It was about four when the first one came out, yeah, well, I think. Yeah, this happens, so. because this is a kid's movie. Um, and, you know, we recently did a kid's movie with um, with Hotel Transylvania. Right. But we needed a live-action one. This is the live-action one. And you know what? That's that's what I did miss, was I, I wanted, like, an Adam Sandler baby. That would have been great, you know? What? Just one of the kids he's playing with at the park. Like, Bruce Willis is like, hey, what's going on? And, like, Damon Wins is there, and then, you know, throwing an Adam Sandler. Hello? More Adam Sandler talk. <laughs> We're making this podcast a little too Adam Sandler. We sneaking in there. We should do a side podcast all about Adam Sandler. No, we shouldn't. No, we shouldn't. Enough Adam Sandler. <laughs> okay. He's okay. All right. All right. I don't okay. love him. <laughs> I like him, don't love him. He does come up a lot. Yeah, 
All right. Did you write plots down before you came this yes, time? Yes, I did. Or I did. Were you I was prepared. In the elevator. No, no. I was On prepared. the way up here. All right. It was, you know, earlier today, but... I'm not going to say the plots to these films are critical, necessarily. Not really. And it's kind of funny, because you find that uh, you don't really even mention that babies are talking, because it's kind of not central to the plot. Uh, what else should we probably know, Scott, in listening to your plots? Oh, I mean, well, you should have seen the movie. Right. That's important. There's going to be some spoilers, but if you don't care, you don't care. Odds are you saw the first one, like so many of these trilogies, and perhaps your interest tapered off as they went along. Sure. A lot of the time, that's the case Sure. for so many of these. So we get it. Yeah. But uh, But us diehards, uh, we saw (laughs) three of them. Uh, Don't say the word diehard. No, that's It's confusing to people. Oh, diehard. It's not a trilogy. I mean, it is Christmas time, so. Don't start. (laughs) Don't start. Look who's talking. That's 1989. An accountant is sleeping with one of her married clients, and he knocks her up. Although he promises to leave his wife, the accountant catches the client with another woman, goes into labor, and a cab driver takes her to the hospital and stays while she gives birth. Boy, you feel like as soon as Travolta gets involved as the cab driver, he's instantly in the movie. There's yeah. no apprehension. He's He seems to have known her... For many years, immediately. Yeah, right. He's smiling at her. All right, got to take you to the hospital. Got to walk right in. Yeah. Gotta I guess I'm part of your life now forever. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what? You just gave me a ride. You're a cab driver. Is he that involved with everyone else? Anybody else She's he drives really anywhere? He doesn't question it all that much. No. I mean. <laughs> She's like, yeah, okay, you're around. So I guess so. Now you're part of my life. If it was a different, any cab driver that had come along would be yeah. playing that part. Yeah. So good thing it was John Travolta. Yeah. Wink, wink. You know what I mean. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Cab drivers in New York and all. W- wink, Wh- wink. What? From across the table. <laughs> I get it. All right. You, you got it. When the cab driver returns the purse she left in his cab, the accountant ends up hiring him as a babysitter. Strange. Yeah. Like, hey, I gave you a ride the other day. Oh, cool. You want to watch my kid that you watched come out of me? No, but I mean, that happens. He's babysitting the newborn immediately. Five seconds after they're home. Yeah. He brings her the purse and she's like, well, you want to stay and be his dad? Or She's like, watch the baby for a second. I got to run into the other room after giving birth to it yeah. an hour ago. Right. What? Yeah. He's like, okay, no problem. No then. problem. And then immediately absconds with the baby. <laughs> yeah. Leaves with the baby. What? Like, what? What's the big deal? We just went out. The accountant goes on several bad dates and ends up falling for the cab driver, but rejects him, thinking he's not good enough. The accountant hopes to reunite with her son's real father, but it turns out he's still an asshole. (laughs) Saw that coming a mile away, did you? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, I'm going to give it one more go. That's not going to work out. You're not staying with George Siegel. There's never been a man so disinterested in his newborn child. And yeah. The li- I've, <laughs> I've raised my children. There like, are... what? <laughs> That's it. Yeah. That, when he says that to her, I've raised my children. I can't possibly be involved in my child's <laughs> life. Yeah. You're like, what kind of an insane man is this? <laughs> yeah. Even you think, if they feel that way. He doesn't even like, like you know, I'll give you money at least yeah. or something. Make up a lie, something. Like, Comes nah. around and says it. He's like, I'm just not interested. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, you know. Maybe that makes sense if you make a mistake and you're 15. Right. <laughs> but really. While trying to help the cab driver's grandfather, the accountant's son gets lost. But with the help of the cab driver, 
They find her son and decide to stay together. It wasn't really that scary. No. that much of a crisis. Yeah, there's always, like, in these movies, the end is, like, moment of panic, and then everything's fine. Ultimately, though, this the is... The only a... reason the situations are scary is because children are involved. In now, them. notice how you didn't mention Bruce Willis nope. at all in this, or Bruce Willis's part, the idea of baby Mikey because talking. he adds nothing to the plot besides being her right. baby. In your world of plots, he's immaterial. Right. That idea Which I think matter. is funny, because yeah. the movie is called Look Who's Talking. It's entirely about that there's a talking baby in the movie. But really, it's just a love story. Yeah. You know, it's two people from two different walks of life finding it's, each it's other. It's similar to, like, Knocked Up. With a sure. Knocked Up just didn't have a talking baby in it. You say so, Scott. So that was the first movie. That was the first one. So now we're going to go ahead and move on to, and I want to make the distinction here. Uh, it's Look Who's Talking T-O-O. Two, not two as in the number. I think that's important. Right. Two as if to say as well. I don't know if I should say this now, but notice that none of these movies have numbers. That none of them, it's not two or three. Ah, it's, good point, Scott. Yeah. No, it's worth that, mentioning. That, that happens noticed. from time to time. All right, so re-say the title good. Uh, Look Who's Talking To. 1990, the very next year. The accountant and the cab driver are now married, and the accountant gives birth to their daughter. Their son from the first one is excited about being a big brother. It was a risky birth, though, Scott. It was a risky birth. Don't jump the gun there. Well, we'll I mean, we can get into that later. Oh, I, I thought, I, thought you know, I might mention the risky I didn't want to <laughs> feel like... Sorry. The umbilical cord goes around her neck. Spoiler alert, the movie almost ended <laughs> five minutes in. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's a short movie. Oh. Roseanne's saying her goodbyes. And like, <laughs> like, is this oh, movie about geez. to just end? <laughs> yeah. Ten minutes in, her little no. eyes are closing. But her little it, animatronic eyes are closing. It happens. In... <laughs> you continue to be repulsed as just you look at it. What are you? Die already. <laughs> Die. <laughs> You're a go. monster. Oh. What is this? Like a Muppet baby. Like, <laughs> what is this? Their son from the first one is excited about being a big brother, but is quickly jealous of the attention his new little sister is getting. Meanwhile, the accountant's deranged, gun-toting brother comes to live with her and the cab driver, who does not care for him. <laughs> really a big twist there. <laughs> yeah. But suddenly, this prissy, uptight woman has no problem with her, her gun-toting brother. Psycho brother, yeah. Fucking Casey Jones coming who in Who is both a loser and an accountant at the same time. Yeah. Huh? I, yeah, I was very confused. Uh, like you said, uh, he was Casey Jones. We'll he get to Elias Codius. Yes, I believe. Is that's... there an I in that name? Is it Codius or Codius? It's an E. Co- K-O-T-E-A-S. Am I saying the name wrong? I right. think it's close enough. I don't know. Codius. 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 What you say it ten different wrong ways now. Come on. Okay. Codius. Kadunk, stop, stop it. Stop it. Kadankadunk. You're out of control. <laughs> Go ahead. With the stress of dealing with a new kid, the deranged brother, and the cab driver taking a new pilot job, the cab driver moves out for a while. Mm. The son believes this is his sister's fault and takes it out on her, but quickly realizes he's been a crappy big brother. <laughs> <laughs> and he decides to be nicer. On a night the cab driver is supposed to be flying, there is a huge storm, and the accountant rushes to stop him from taking off, and leaves her deranged brother in charge of the kids. Let me say that there's no danger at all from that storm. Seems that there'll be no problems, 
He makes perfect sense. He's like, yeah, we just fly around it, and I know what I'm talking about here. We fly into the storms it's all not, the time. It's not even a hurricane. It's, it's just a storm. Yeah. It's not like she's like, he's about to fly, and I know something that the rest of the movie doesn't know. It's a, yeah. The plane's about to crash, or right. I know something. Yeah. No, you know what we know. That it's she a saw storm. the weather report and came and was like, there's yeah. going to be rain. Don't go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. To prove that she... Yeah, and then they're like, oh, turns out she's right. Bribing Can't her, go flying. Bribing her way onto the plane. <laughs> yeah. What the hell? The accountant is able to stop the cab driver from leaving, and they reconcile. Meanwhile, at their apartment, there's a break-in, and the deranged brother chases the burglar, leaving the children inside a burning apartment. It's never addressed as to why that house was targeted in particular by that burglar, and a professional burglar with a glass cutter. What burglar robs houses in the rain when everyone is going to almost 100% be in their fucking house. Yeah, that's what I was trying to say. There's gonna be say. somebody there. Like, well, it makes he's no gotta sense. see the lights on. Yeah. So when he sees the lights on, what you're going into a house that has people there. Yeah. You don't have. You're not night. Oh, they're watching TV. They're not gonna notice yeah, me. You're cat burgling. I'm, yeah, like he's on his tiptoes going it's down the hall. It's never addressed again. Uh, the son grabs the daughter and gets out of the burning building. The cab driver. Hold and- on. You mentioned that there was a fire. Yes. So when he left the kids alone, then. There's a fire on top of it. Right. Yeah. You've got the storm, then the burglar, then the fire. Yeah. And none of them are really threats at all. They're easily dealt with immediately. Yeah. And shouldn't this just be Roseanne talking? Yeah. What the fuck is going on here? (laughs) What is this shit? (laughs) The cab driver and the accountant get home in time to put out the fire, and the family is all back together again. God. That was tough. Tough movie. Oh, boy. You, you thought that was tough. Whew. Here we go. Here we go. Now you're... This the, is where it gets really The tough. third installment of the epic saga. <laughs> uh, look who's talking now. Do I have to, Scott? 1993. 93. A few years later, the cab driver gets a new pilot job. The accountant is fired from her job. The son wants a dog for Christmas, and the daughter wants to fly. And by fly, she wants to jump like Charles Barkley. I think that's the funniest part of the second movie, is Uh, her obsession with basketball. And it's really never explained, nor is the words Charles Barkley ever mentioned aloud by anyone. And now we get to, um, with just the addition of more talking things... That they can actually be characters. Now they'll get mentioned in the plot. In the in the original one, he's just kind of there commenting, right? Adding nothing to the story. But like, yeah, in the second one, there's a little bit of with the sister and that thing. And like, well, that's an important part of the movie. There's actually like an arc of a bit of an arc for those characters. But on the street, the son sees a puppy he wants, but has to leave him, and the puppy starts his life as a street dog. And the and the, it's like a street dog, like in a busy city street, like as if yeah. when you're going through Times Square, you always see just a dog walking around. Right, but that's the thing about this. The third what? one, especially too, is the first two are are shot in New York City. Yeah. Like that, they, they definitely look like New York no City. Question. This is 100 percent not New York City. Whatever, wherever they're shooting, that could not have been New York City. Yeah, I didn't notice in the third one. Probably not. Yeah, maybe it's, not. It's like vague city. Is that right? <laughs> like they don't show you too much. Either way, like it's a busy city and there's a dog yeah. walking around and people are just like ignoring this dog walking on the sidewalk amongst many people. Yeah. Bustling. Guy with just a box of free dogs. Later, they take their kids to see Santa at the mall, where the accountant is now working as an elf. 
The son tells Santa he wants a dog, but when he sees that Santa is just a guy in a costume, he stops believing in Santa altogether. The cab driver decides to buy his son a dog, and they find the same street dog the son met earlier at a kennel about to be put to death, and they adopt him. Quite the coincidence. Yes, that he would happen to be there and sniff him out and... Christmas magic, I guess. Right, guys? Meanwhile, the cab driver's boss, who definitely wants to bang the cab driver, brings them a poodle. So now they have two dogs. There's never been a woman in history that's wanted to bang someone as much as the boss wants to bang Travolta. Immediately. As soon as he meets you're like, oh, well, okay. Yeah. That's where this is going. Like, I mean, perhaps we can talk later about how, how many hundreds of thousands of dollars it seems she spent for one night of seduction with him. Right. But, okay. <laughs> when I looked at Amy and I was like, all she needed to do was take off her top. Yeah. That's all. Oh, <laughs> it you want to screw him right now? Stop talking. Just take off your top. <laughs> It'll make it much more difficult for him to be like, yeah. I can't do it because I'm a family. Oh, no, I'm a family. <laughs> Although the two dogs are from different worlds, they spend a night out running around the city and start to fall for each other. Isn't that always how it is? Of course. I was, I was surprised they didn't have some spaghetti like it was Lady and the Tramp. You saw the reference, though, right? Didn't they do, did they do they, that? When they were rooting through the garbage, there was spaghetti, and there was there was like a scene that was very reminiscent of Lady and the Tramp. It's not. It's a little more like um, the relationship in a movie that came out almost around the same time, uh, Oliver and Company. Ah. The uh, Disney movie mm. with the Billy Joel character, who is Dodger in Oliver, and... Uh, I forget what the other... I forget who does the voice. It's all about soul. (laughs) (laughs) Why that song? I don't know. On Christmas Eve, the cab driver's boss tricks the cab driver into flying her to a cabin in the woods under the guise of meeting a client. Right, that's what I'm saying. The cab driver tries to leave to be with his family, but a snowstorm keeps him trapped. The accountant decides to take the kids and the dogs and go find the cab driver, but ends up crashing in the storm. A wolf tries to attack them, but the street dog scares him away. Seriously, it's just like the second movie. One crazy climactic just, incident after another. Yeah. There's wolves. There's strand car accidents. What are the wolves. odds that all these things are going to happen? Why are all these things these... happening? Yeah. You just have horrible luck. He's in the cabin. That's what it is, I think. Storm. The children are cursed. That's why they could talk when they were babies. They're... <laughs> <laughs> These are both... And you just... They're magnets for danger. Spawn of Satan type. Yeah. And your dad's a pilot. I mean, we'll don't ever take bus. him on the plane with you. Yeah, good point, man. Whew. The poodle goes to find help while the street dog goes to find the cab driver. The poodle returns with police who take the family back to the station. The street dog finds the cab driver who quits his job, fights off some wolves, and is reunited with his family on Christmas. It's delightful. Yes. When he walks into the cabin. Yeah, what are you doing here? <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Whoa family's What's here. all this? <laughs> what? Where? It's heartwarming. Yeah. All right. So there you have it. The plots of these three movies. They get yes. more and more intricate. So, all right. So the first movie was a really big hit. It was the fourth biggest movie in 1989. The mega hit. You know, the second one did half of its money. And because the first movie was so big, it was still a modest success, the second film. Yeah. The third movie was a bomb. Yeah. Did nothing. It was a failure. There was a, a television show called a Baby Talk that it inspired yes. where Tony Danza did the inner monologue ah. instead of Bruce Willis, which is roughly the same thing. Yeah. Think about it. 
I mean, that was as far as baby voices go. Seriously, like, if you're going with that idea that it sounds like a just kind of an Italian American man, like a yeah. street guy. <laughs> That's what I was waiting you know? for in the second movie with with deranged brother and that girl. I'm like, I want to see the spinoff movie, or at least like an after credit sequence of them getting together and having a baby, and the baby <laughs> comes out, and it's Robert De Niro is the voice <laughs> of that baby. Like, you played into it so much at this point. Yeah, that's what it should have been. Yeah. Mommy's mad at me because I made a boom on a rug. Let's talk about the director, Amy Heckerling. Right. Now, there aren't too many female directors. Female directors comprise like 5% of all directors. Yeah. And so, um, but if you look at the list, and I made a list here, Scott. I looked this up. Um, of the top 20 grossing films with a, a woman as the director. Mm. All right. She's been eclipsed, but all of the movies that have eclipsed her are either animated films or films that are based upon another source, whether it be a book or a sequel, something like right. that. Look who's talking. It winds up being like the third or fourth biggest movie that didn't come from another source. And I think that's really Tackerling's credit. Yeah. I mean, she was a pioneer in this kind of a comedy. Yeah. Because look at the other things she's done, Scott. Can you name one? Give me one. Clueless. That's her other giant film. Her, yeah. And Clueless is an iconic musical. Yeah. Kind of surprising that that did not somehow get remade or have Clueless? a sequel. Or, yeah. Wait and see, my pretty friend. popular. Wait and see, because now the next generation of filmmakers coming, is coming up. And instead of remaking my 80s films, they'll start re- remaking your 90s I know. TV shows and films. That's what's going to happen next. All right? Oh, as if. She also was a director for Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Which is, yeah. a, is a pretty well-known film, as well as... Which um, is not one that you would associate with her right away. But that was a trend in the 80s. Sure. This kind of skin flick, body 80s sex right. comedies. I never got them, but some people are into yeah. them. National Lampoon's European Vacation, which is an underrated vacation. Yeah. That one's pretty good. I happen to like it more than the, the third. The pig and a poke and all that. I like it. Yeah. Um, and she did an, an episode... You and I are both fans of The Office, Scott. Oh, really? Which one? Fifth episode, Hot Girl, where oh, what's her name comes in to Amy sell her Adams. purses. Amy Adams sells yeah. her purses. Not a bad episode. Yeah, pretty good. Early episode, pretty good. Ryan, would you look after the purses, please? Uh, I'm installing file share on all the computers. Yeah, well, bloody blue to blah blah, techno babble. <laughs> Just do it, okay? We have company. So, um, yeah, that's Amy Heckerling. Wow. I'd also like to mention another thing that Amy brought to my attention. Actually, I didn't read this. She... Amy Heckerling brought this to your attention. Well, my. Amy, the girl that is the, that is my other half, and who does our announcing, yes. and who watches many of these movies with me, I force her. Yeah. She mentioned to me that Amy Heckerling <laughs> was at one time married to her writing partner Neil Israel, a well-known Hollywood screenwriter. Oh, really? Okay. And they had a kid, and the kid was led to believe for many years that her father was Neil Israel, but the kid's father wound up being Harold Ramis. Really? Yeah. And there was a weird controversy in it. Wow, I didn't know yeah. that at all. You never even had a slinky? We had part of a slinky, but I straightened it. Now, there are three actors that are associated with this film that have been in all three. Begin with Travolta. Sure. Now, Travolta, Scott, is in the same way some of our previous stars were, like um, Clint Eastwood or Burt Reynolds. Their careers are so big, you look at it in terms of periods, eras right. of their career. Right. So... For Travolta, you start with his young era. Right. Young Travolta. Doing He's boy in a bubble. He's welcome back, Cotter. 
Vinny Barbarino. Yeah. My name is Vin. You can't imagine how many people when I was a little kid would be like, Vinny Barbarino. And I'd be like, blow me. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, you got that. You got, of course, Saturday Night Fever. Of course. And you got Dance and Movies. You got Grease. Yeah. That's his, his early period. Yeah. Which I think is I don't why love his early period. these movies are injected with these weird musical scenes. Well, and that's I think Travolta. Uh, yeah, that's just I, th- Travolta. I think that's just him. Like, I got to show everybody I still got it. Like. But that's just him either way. That, but also, I just think part of his thing is that he dances and shit. Yeah. In the same way that Tom Cruise runs in movies, Travolta oh, he's like dances a, in movies. Because he's a guy, he's a, um, he actually got to be friends with James Cagney before he died. Okay. And so James Cagney dance. was always like a song and dance man there you go. as well. So that's like his one of his idols. Then, then he did nothing in the 80s at all. He had a very down period of time. Yeah. Did nothing. So his initial mini comeback was this film. The yeah. first film. Okay. Um, although he was a musician. Let's not forget his hit song, Let Her In, Scott. Are you familiar with that song? I don't think I am. It's this song. Something she said has stuck in my head and I can't go away. Gonna let her in. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a little strange. Huh. It makes me cry a little bit. All right, so you got that. Then, of course, the big comeback film, Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction took him into a different place. His middle period, if you will, Scott. Yeah. I'll say one, then you say one. Are you ready? Get Shorty, one of the coolest characters ever. Go. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say Michael. Face Off. Face Off's great. The one where he has got powers? Yeah. Phenomenon. Phenomenon. Uh, Christian Slater. Broken, Broken Arrow. Arrow. All right. Um, and it, it was like it the first on. of the John Woo movies, Listen, and then he did. That's a John Woo. Yeah, that's right. Face it was a John too. Woo. I fr- All right, yeah. and then you know, but as time went on, Battlefield Earth. Exactly, and that was his Scientology L. Ron Hubbard film. Yeah, and was kind of the beginning of the end for his career. Yeah. All right. I just remember him laughing like a, a lunatic. <laughs> Wild hogs. Oh, yeah. That's with uh, Tim Allen. Isn't that a story based upon your dating life, Scott? Oh, Oh, burn. You son of a bitch. All right. Um, (laughs) Recently, he did, um, he's playing in the same way that Pacino's playing real people. Right. Travolta's going that direction. So we've seen him play uh, in The People vs. O.J. Simpson. He plays the lawyer. Shapiro. Right. And he recently played John Gotti in the giant bomb Gotti. Yeah, I don't know Which, what why he's doing these things. So those are the Travolta eras. You've got that early period when he's young and he's dancing. Yeah. You've got that middle period in the 80s where things aren't going well, but he's still dancing. Yeah. You've got the comeback in the 90s and he's dancing. And you've got the <laughs> down period of time. Things aren't going so good. And he's dancing. And he's still dancing. He's still trying to dance. He likes to dance. In every movie. Yeah. So that's Travolta. So, my mom loved Travolta. Oh, God. He can do no wrong. <laughs> In my mind, I think that Travolta is always very charismatic. Whatever his acting comes and goes, depending upon the film, whether it's yeah. good or it's not, but he's just likable. I just usually like him in a movie. Yeah. I'm not repulsed by him. Even when he's, his acting is cheesy and you're like, oh, God, Travolta. Yeah. I still like Travolta. He's doing his best. <laughs> like he's Travolta, his little, what are you doing? He's painting his hair on now. Yeah. He's worshiping Xenu. <laughs> he's doing his best. Yeah. He can't escape. Do we look like we're... Uh... You know, coerced into anything. It's it's so silly to me. I think we can move on from Travolta. the other two. There's not nearly as much to say. All well, right. yeah. But I mean, um, curse the alley. 
She was, of course, on Cheers. Essentially, she wasn't a, an actress so much in films as she was a television actress. She was in uh, Star Trek Two, though. Yeah, that's uh, right. Big role in that. Yeah. And then, really, these films, and that's it in the world of film. I, I didn't love her in Cheers, though. The first couple of seasons, she was okay, but then she becomes very shrill for me. Well, because they, you know, they try to get that uh, relationship that him and Shelley Long had. It's just not there. And it's just not connecting. Right. Like, they, they're kind of force it, where they're like, ah, oh, everybody loves him and Rebecca now, right? Like, I found, no. You know, <laughs> and then <laughs> like, in later, in, and later in her career, she became known for her side. She's had two shows that have to do with her yes. weight, fat actress, and, and the big life. Right. All right. That both involve her struggling as a. As and she did with one of weight. those, uh, like Nutrisystem or something like Multiple that. Multiple ones. Yeah. And she also was a runner up in Dancing with the Stars. Yes. So let's curse the alley. I do think pies can talk. Sometimes when they talk too much, people have to say, shut your pie hole. Is it just me or am I in hell? And then finally, I'm playing her mother in all three films. Ah, uh, yes. Olympia, Olympia Dukakis. Dukakis. Um, she came and spoke at my school many times. Get out of here. Yeah. Why? I think your... she lived in the area. Really? Yeah. There was a lot of people, uh, you know, next nearby was like a very rich area where like a lot of, uh, Stephen Colbert lives out there. Well, she won the Academy Award in 1987 for Moonstruck. Yeah, Moonstruck, okay. great. And honestly, that was her first, you know, that was her big role. Before then, she had just been a guest star, TV, little things here and there. And that blew her up. Yeah. Okay. And she's really just reprising that role here. We'll talk about that. Yeah. Oh, man. To give those dogs another piece of my food, I'm going to kick you till you're dead. We've talked about her before, Scott. Do you remember when we did in the past? Because she's a trilogy superstar. The other two are not. I uh, know. I don't remember. She appears in the Naked Gun 33 and a third in the audience of the Academy Awards. Oh, she's yes. presenting or something. There's a gag Oh, with she's her. presenting with James Earl Jones. There you go. And he interrupts him. And there you go. And he's so, like, I loved you in Coneheads. She's a trilogy superstar. You're right. Of all three, of those three actors, kind of weird. All right, so that's it, Scott. I've just broken it down for you. Okay. This film, the three actors that have been in all three, and of course, Amy Heckerling's role, both Impressive because of the success of these films. Regretful because of the content in many ways of these films. Yes. So, are you ready to... We get to the content of these films. Speaking of content of these films, Scott, are you ready? Yes, I'm all set. Oh, God. All right. I can't wait. When I grow up to be a man. Look who's talking. Yes. Who is talking? Well, that, that's Bruce Willis. It's Bruce Willis. It's Bruce Willis. He is in the first two movies. Yeah. But we know that it's Bruce Willis immediately, and let's not kid ourselves. At this period of time, Bruce Willis was a comedic actor. Yeah. He had done Moonlighting. He had done Blind Date. He was a quipster. He was a, a comedy actor. So it yes. made sense to use him as the voice here. Now, with his whole taciturn, stoic action self, yeah. you'd never pick him. Yeah. But back then, it made perfect sense. Yeah. Kind of snarky... Right. Hey, what are you doing, man? People loved his wisecracks on Moonlighting. Yeah. So that's what they were, he was bringing to this, basically. Uh, not to mention my college again, but he uh, went to my college. That's right. He did famously yes. go to Montclair, did he not? Yes. And he left, he apparently. Supposedly, I talked to, uh, there was a woman who was like a friend of my mom's who apparently knew him, and he just like left at a, a cast party one night and just didn't come back. Look here. Seagulls, 41 cooler seagulls. Now, doesn't it feel like in this movie, I didn't look this up, I'm sure I could have done the research on this, but I think it's pretty obvious 
that they showed Bruce Willis footage of what they had taped and let him just ad lib over the footage. That's what it seems like. It's yeah. it, it's so obvious. And had him like uh you know had him kind of say what was going on, narrate his thoughts of what was occurring and spice up the scene and kept bit. the best things. Yeah. That's what it feels like. Yeah. Definitely. And I think that's a problem because he's not that funny. Right. And I my I said to myself, Scott, how did my 8th grade self when I saw this think this was a good movie? Cuz yeah. I started watching this and I couldn't believe how unfunny it was. Yeah. So I, I guess it was a novel idea at the time, the idea of a what? baby talking, the inner monologue of a baby. I guess that was – the originality must have meant something then. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I still enjoyed it, watching it, even though I know, like, it was the kind of thing, like, it's, it's not my personality to really like these kind of, like, corny jokes. But at the same time, like, I watched them when I was a kid, so it was like, I found myself, like, chuckling at a few of them. But... Now, we have another credit sequence in the beginning, Scott. We, an absolute trend in the world of trilogies, as we have chronicled, is that they have cool credit sequences. Whether the movie yes. is good or not, the credit sequences are good. Yes. What do you think of this one, with the inside, the impregnation? It's a little uh, unsettling. I think the first one is okay. Yeah. If it's, it's unsettling, I think that's part of it, though. Yeah. But the fact that they beat the shit out of it and do it in the second one, and the third one, it's the inside of a fucking dog. Yeah, it's nice to know that humans and dogs, they... they Look identical, they, except... Procreate the, the exact same way. Yeah, so... Uh, but even, like, yeah, in the, the second one, they do it, it's, it's slightly more sexual. Like, yeah, baby, yeah. let me in there. And I'm like, the first yeah. one, it was kind of okay, because it was just like... Mm, mm. Oh, I got in there. They're different like, voices, though, because the first right. one it was Bruce Willis doing the voice sperm. of the sperm. In the second one, it's Travolta and Kirstie Alley that are doing the voices of the sperm. Yeah, alley. so it's really this is very strange. Gotta get to the egg. Gotta get inside. Spread those genes. What I mean. Gotta spread it wide. Gotta get to the egg. Gotta just confirm that you know it's the show of the egg and sperm. Weren't those? <laughs> Aren't these animatronic womb babies utterly disgusting oh, and they're, frightening? They're horrifying. <laughs> they're horrifying. You don't need them. At the same time, I'm glad like they're not CGI'd babies. They didn't have CGI. Though. I know, but that's why I kind of like I'm like, oh, I like the authentic like they built a puppet sort of thing. Yes. But like at the same time, oh, they're horrifying. Baby by Jim Henson. Yeah. Eyes rolling. Big rolling eyes. Like, unnecessarily. <laughs> like, why are you showing this so much? Just, let's get the baby out, and then we can do some stuff. Like, the baby's not going to be a puppet when it comes out, so let's just get this over with. <laughs> and get Enough that already. Let's get let's move past this part. Yeah. These movies have the, the, the weird convention of cutting in delusions. I was going to say that. They all have fantasies. Right. And how often do movies that have fantasies work? Rarely. Yeah. I would say that a good example of that working would maybe be um, a Christmas story. Sure. Yeah, yeah. All right. Those are funny. They work. They're not too long. They fit. Yeah. These are strange. We'll talk more about the ones in the other ones. In this one, I actually wrote them down if you want to hear the fantasies. The fantasies that we see, okay, are where she, in the dream sequence, climbs up on the clock, the clock like tower, a clock. Right, yeah. All right. Look at that. Back to the future action. Little yeah. trilogy crossover. Man on a clock. Also, you got um, Nasty Travolta, his fantasy, he's nasty and vulgar. Yeah. You Is also, that with the family, where they're all I think so. smoking and then you cigarettes? Have, and, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You have Albert's head exploding. Which I think is hilarious. That's my favorite one. 
Really? Yeah. You have a favorite one? All right. I liked it a lot as a child because I was like, "Is that exploded?" And you know that dumpster behind a supermarket? Look what I found. Perfectly good head of lettuce. All you got to do is peel out the outside layers like so. Good, huh? Olympia Dukakis. I just want to say, she's basically playing the same part as Moonstruck, but instead of playing an Italian mother, she's playing a Jewish mother. Yeah. Very obviously a Jewish mother in the first and second movie. Very obviously. Until, of course, the third movie, when it's completely ignored, and they're all celebrating Christmas together. And I swear to God, there is no one that would ever listen to her character and all of the Yiddish that she uses and think this is anything but your classic, stereotypical Jewish mother. She's an accountant. The husband, who never says anything, just like the husband in Goodfellas, right? Mom, what do you want me to do? Do? What can you do? He's not Jewish. Did you know how these people live? Did you know what they were like? Your father never stayed out all night without calling? Stay out? Daddy never went out at all, Ma. Will you leave him out of this? He suffered enough. The man hasn't been able to digest a decent meal in six weeks. She's basically playing the same part. Yeah. I think that's kind of wacky and funny. Um, there's the scene where he, uh, they talk about like, oh, the sex organs are going to be uh showing now so yeah. and then it's him looking and he's like oh what's that i got like a little thing down there and he's just like now how am i gonna get that in my mouth and it was like <laughs> he's a baby why like yeah. some of the jokes i'm like ah, i like i get what you're going why, for but like, you gotta think like why was bruce willis watching that and yeah thinking this how am i what? gonna put that in my mouth yeah it was scott I put my dick in my stop mouth saying huh? it. scott the face you're making when you're saying that is really <laughs> upsetting <laughs> stop it <laughs> god um i think it's important at this time that we talk about how dated some of the stuff from this 1989 movie is okay yes first of all you have travolta who has no problem because this is how people talk then using expressions like lesbo yeah. And and you know what? It's one of the funniest lines in the movie, I hate to say. I think he says, what are you, a lesbo? And he just kind of throws yeah. it out. Look, if you have to know my life history, I was artificially inseminated. What are you, a lesbo? <laughs> and then he also says, retard, loud and clear. Oh, yeah. The the, the kid. Yes. Well, he's is, like, is oh, it a kid? I, yeah, it's Travolta. He's when she dresses him up in the, the right. thing. And he goes, she's like, you look really cute. And he's like, but I feel like a retard. And, and I'm like, oh. Whoa, you can't say that. The baby gets high from the drugs during childbirth. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Some risque. Yeah, it was, you know, around that time, it was kind of like anything goes. And if you've got a problem with Apu, you might have a problem with the Indian babies. Yeah. Who was like, oh, I didn't expect to be reincarnated so soon. Like, (laughs) oh my God. They've got this great gag of babies being able to talk. You could do a million baby gags. And that's what they go with. And they they went with that. And and they're sparse, the baby gags, where it's like, I thought this movie was supposed to be about baby gags. There could be more. There's not that many funny Scott, lines that the Scott's baby like, says. I thought this movie was going to be awesome. I came for the baby. Awesome baby gags. <laughs> and this is what I get? Yeah. Well, when I was born, after the doctor cut the cord, he hung himself. <laughs> and my old man, he didn't like my looks either. But he carried around a picture of the kid who came with the wallet. <laughs> I was going to say, um, she really, because you mentioned that Kirstie Alley, she really seems very sort of nonplussed about this whole pregnancy and the fact that she's having a baby. Really, she's not phased as much as you think she would be. Yeah. Well, I mean, she's deluded because she thinks that that guy's going to leave 
her his wife and at all any of us point watching this are like are you kidding me we He's all know never, yeah the, the her friend like, knows the whole time it's like yeah. eh, it's not gonna everyone happen everyone knows but her yeah and they're she like talks to the serious? mother the mother's like move on like the the <laughs> friend is like move on the audience is like move on and we have to watch her fucking be an idiot <laughs> the whole movie that's why uh, she deserves travolta you know you landed yeah. yourself a big dum-dum agreed agreed when, during the scene when he's driving her to the hospital and he's driving way too fucking fast to have oh. a pregnant woman in the car, he goes up to the go to the construction and like I need to get through here and they're like Nah, sorry, this construction you got to go this way and he's like All right, I'm going through it. And like, why would driving through a construction area be faster? <laughs> well, you're going through like Scott, you're, if the look hospital... at all the machines that are here and all that like you're gonna have to get all around them. It's not like it's gonna be I, I don't know. It just doesn't make no sense Come to me. On, like. Scott. It's not like he's heading toward like I'm gonna jump it. Like he's just driving through broken road. Didn't you like, have you? Did you learn nothing from the Smokey and the Bandit trilogy that we went over? I don't think so. I don't think I learned anything. Yeah, I may not have. Either. Oh, and let's not forget about our old friend. And when I say old, I mean old friend and trilogy superstar Abe Vigoda. Yes. Playing an old guy, yes. of course. When he was probably like 55. Get the hell out of here! He wasn't terribly old during that. Yeah. He's got but, a little, they grade him a little bit there. And... But, uh, of course, Abe Vigoda. We miss you, Abe. We miss you. Did he die? Finally. I float as the clouds on air do. I enjoy being a girl. Scott, just when you thought there wasn't enough talking or there weren't enough people talking yeah you've got look who's talking to a baby boy and then a baby girl what's gonna happen Mm. uh this movie clocks in at 82 minutes it's uh, and, and they include so many musical montages to pad the film yeah there's nothing to it at all right really nothing to it no uh i forgot about that weird part at the beginning with the creepy bear and the devil. Like he's having a nightmare right at the beginning of the yeah. movie. I was like horrified. So I was like, it's all rushing back. But like I saw, you know, like I've seen the movies and I totally forgot about that. And I was like, I remember this. Oh my God. The claws coming out. And oh, these fantasies are in a, in their own way, the most over the top and strange. Yeah. You got, you got Mel Brooks. Playing the toilet. Trilogy superstar. A trilogy superstar. Mel Brooks. Thank you. Playing in, the nightmare toilet from my childhood. And is, in, in, is what, what is quite possibly the most disturbing role ever created. Yeah. Where's that pee-pee? We're talking about pee-pee here. I need that pee-pee. Oh, no, Mr. Toilet Man. Uh, it's horrifying. <laughs> it's, it's goddamn. It's horrifying. Again, probably another role that he recorded, like, sitting in his underwear <laughs> at home. <laughs> We're talking pee-pee, kid. Let's not talk about it. Give it to me, but the next time you sit on me, I'm going to bite off your tushy. You're really too enthusiastic about these films so far. I'm afraid of where this is going. I I kind of like them, Ugh. but I also like I'm kind of appalled by them. Oh. Because like the movies don't feel like they have much structure at all. I'm so glad you said that. It yeah. really feels like that the movies are slapped together in a very sloppy way like yeah. they're, they're kind of made up as they're they're being as they go along. As, as they're being written yeah. like they just like oh good there's then a robber happens. and then a fire and then, then, this. then yeah like then this what this whole film look who's talking to is about john travolta's insecurity that's all it's about he's threatened yeah. by her having a better job than him 
He's threatened by her brother. It's just a, Travolta's problems. And right. That, they had it's, no, yeah, it's his insecurity. Uh, you know what's funny? Hold on. I have and to that's why they had to pad the movie out with all these montages and bullshit. Yes, I, the, the, I wrote this whole movie is about John Travolta's perceived inadequacy. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Same thought. Yes. Same thought. Of like, oh, I'm not good enough. Like, nobody said that. Just nobody enough. said you weren't she good enough. Just loves shut you. up. Yeah, dude. Just shut up already. You're calling each other fucking Elvis and Priscilla. You're in <laughs> love, okay? Like, oh. You've got the exorcist voice coming from Curse the Alley when she's giving birth, that over-the-top exorcist voice. Yeah, like her deep, like, um, <laughs> fuck my breathing, or whatever the fuck the right. one in the first one is, too. Yeah. Used from time to time for comedic effect. I think the best effect, of course, yeah, is keep the this chuckle. example from Teen Wolf. Give me a keg of beer. He just wants a keg of beer, Scott. Love that movie. I do, too. The Roseanne Baby is a cuter baby yes. by far than the Mikey baby. And the cuteness of the baby matched Roseanne better facially. Yeah. It just connected better. She actually uh, sort of looks like my niece. So it was kind of funny. The whole time I was like, oh, oh it's just a little baby. <laughs> All right. I know her. Who's this asshole? This wasn't supposed to be funny, but I love how baby Mikey and Mama Crackpipe at the playground. Yeah. 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 I mean, they crack. live in New York City. It's, it's going to happen. Listen, crack. You know what I'm talking about. Um, yes, uh, you know me. This is crack, rock cocaine. It isn't glamorous or cool or kid stuff. After the crack pipe, she takes the, the, the wipeout mm -hmm. and cleans his hands, and she's like, oh, that is it. We're not coming back to this park. And she whips the wipe into the carriage. And he has a line like, oh, oh, that's okay. Sorry about that, sweetie. She didn't mean to throw that at you. And I'm like, clearly, there was no baby in the carriage when they filmed it. Kirstie Alley forgot and whipped a fucking wipe at the baby. And they like, so like, well, we got to comment on it because it's in the shot. Like, he didn't have any other takes where she didn't whip. Uh... Was it even that important? No, like, that's why I was like, why did you? You could have cut right before she threw it. And because she says like, oh, that is it. And then just cut away. There's a part where. The friend, the weird friend, Rona, that's in the two movies. We haven't really yeah, mentioned yeah, yeah. her. I don't even... She says, oh, you're going to be a big brother now. This and that. Um, aren't you excited? And he says, you know what, Rona? I'm just the right man for the job. I wanted him to say, you know what, Rona? Go fuck yourself. <laughs> Why don't you mind your fucking business, exactly. okay, Rona? Mind your business, Rona. <laughs> what are you talking to a baby about this for? Have you ever seen someone as physically repulsive as Gilbert Gottfried dancing around with Travolta, mimicking Travolta's dancing? <laughs> it's funny because he's wearing I, a white sweatsuit. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah, who would hire him for this job to be with children screaming at them? I'm having a stroke. Who like if he just <laughs> screaming? Yes, changing careers was the smartest thing I ever did because I hate children. I hate them. Something terrible, and it really goes to how this movie has no substance at all. 53 minutes into this movie, I checked, we get a montage devoted to the first 52 minutes of this movie. Yeah. We were literally looking at something we watched one minute before. Remember all that, guys? Mikey's flashing back, and he's like, I remember my life. Yeah. And he's thinking about what we just saw. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and, oh, just for the sake of mentioning them all, the other big musical montage scene in this movie is the... um. I love being a girl number. Which cracked me up because I was like, it's it's a baby's leg. I think one thing cracked me up in this. Just the Roseanne line. Multiple things cracked there you were, up. There were many things I thought were You're funny. easy to please, man. 
I like it's a baby, Come you on. know, like babies are funny. I don't know, I guess. You put a, uh, an adult voice on a little baby? Yeah, that's comedy gold, right? There. Scott, <laughs> stop saying that. I don't know how to how, how to treat this. That's gold, Jerry. Gold. Is that scene where she's taking her first steps and Weird. they decide to use the TriStar theme of like I guess with the horse running, I guess I horse running baby it. taking its first steps. I said to myself of all the music to use for that, are you trying to promote yeah. your own production? Company? Right, that's or? what it seems like. This is before a time of product placement, so it really yeah. comes across as jarring. Yeah, you would think you would have done like um, Chariots of Fire or something like that of her taking dun 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 uh-huh. dun. dun like... There's a million different classical pieces of music that would have fit. Yeah. Scott, look who's talking. Now, I'm commanding you to look who's talking now. Now? You ain't nothing but a hound dog. The crying all the time. You ain't nothing but a hound dog. Crying all the time. Well, you ain't never caught a rabbit and you ain't no friend of mine. Um, well, look who's talking now. Now, I could have, I could go through the history of movies and try and identify the first time that an animal or dog's voice was used. Now, Homeward like, Bound came out right around that same time. And it's the, it's the same like 93 ish. And there you have it. Yeah. So, and Homeward Bound was Homeward Bound uh, was uh, Michael J. Fox was that's uh, right. Chance. And uh, and they're uh, talking, right? It's their interior monologue. Don Amici, I think, was the was Shadow, the older dog, and oh, and Sally Field was uh, Sassy, the cat. And again, it's the same thing. It's the same yeah. premise. Yeah. So this wasn't new. That's great movie, why though. A great movie. A really good movie. Yeah. Really? I enjoyed it as a kid. I haven't seen it in years, but like as a kid, we right. used to love that. You missed out on all the good movies. I'm watching the Muppets. You're watching this fucking. I shit. saw the Muppets. I saw all that shit. It was too far. He was just too old. Oh, Peter, honey. Peter. Shadow! Oh, Peter. I worried about you so. But I mean, this is like a much different movie. Right Kids away. movie. Yeah, for sure. Christmas movie. Written terribly. I mean, awful. Not yeah. Nothing funny about it. No, no laughs. Danny DeVito really comes off as unappealing, his voice yeah. in this movie to me. Yeah. Diane Keaton, whatever. She doesn't do anything. I love Diane Keaton. Trilogy yeah. superstar. The Godfather, for God's sake. Yeah. K. And this is her other thing. Yeah. <laughs> this is your legacy. Seriously. In our trilogy world, this is your legacy. How does it feel? At this moment, I feel no love for you at all. I never thought that would ever happen. <laughs> Look who's talking now. Yeah. It's us. It's about us. you. We're talking. Negatively. <laughs> <laughs> Mikey's not fucking around about Santa Claus. No. I, res- I respect the fact that he's like, you're full of shit, like right away. <laughs> like, because your parents school, are terrible liars. He gets an assignment about Santa at school and he doesn't do it. And they're like, why? And he's like, there's no Santa. Like, he's like, I'm not going to waste important fuck school that, time. That's why. He's like, I'm not going to yeah. waste important school time on a, on a, on a myth, on a childhood <laughs> myth. I don't have time for Some this. Fat white asshole. <laughs> got things to do. Childhood holiday myth you want me to waste a homework assignment <laughs> yeah, on? I don't think yeah, so. I'm draw Santa Claus. That's important. He goes there with it. I, I did math instead. There's a line uh, right before she gets fired 
in that scene where she opens the letter. She's like talking about like, oh, James is so upset with, I uh, hope he gets the job and all that stuff. And she's like, you know what? I'll make him a clam souffle tonight. If that doesn't cheer him up, I don't know what will. And I had two thoughts. One, is clam souffle like a euphemism for something? Oh, Scott. <laughs> Come on. Even if it's his favorite food. Right. It's clam souffle. Yeah. Why not pick a food people know, have heard of? Yeah. Clam souffle? Because a souffle is only a thick white sauce. Uh, one of my favorite lines, I was uh, taken by surprise. Like That's what I find. Like Anytime I laugh at something, it's always being like, what? Like I can't believe they, they this kind of movie would say that. But it was the, uh, the little girl's like, knock, knock, buck. Buck who? Buck, buck, I'm a chicken. The kid goes, oh, mom, can I kill her? That was pretty funny. Like, it's not bad. It's not bad. Yes. The woman, Scott, the woman that's seducing Travolta. I don't know if you noticed, but all she wears in this movie are bright blazers that show off her cleavage. Yes. Later on From the, the movie, very first scene. She buys him a bright blazer. <laughs> <laughs> to show off his man cleavage. And then later, Olivia Dukakis is wearing a bright blazer. What is happening here? <laughs> Maybe she stole it. I'm telling you, the early 90s were all about that hyper color, that yeah. Motown swing. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, the, these, the musical moments that are in all these movies evolves into the weird chipmunk lip sync. That's symptomatic of the disease that was cutesiness. At this period of time in yes. films, because it goes along with three men and a baby. They're doing musical numbers for the yes. baby. Grown men sing into a baby. It's that same thing. Uh, introducing Matt, Peter, and Jack. We're your rabbits. We're your dad's doing the Mary rap. You're just a little lady and you need your sleep. Don't want to hear no job talking about something to eat. Break down. Notice how we haven't really talked about the dogs at all so far in this? They're like a B-plot to the exactly. movie. Exactly. Later on, will we get rid of the male dog? Yeah. What's it's his name? Rocks. Terrible, terrible fucking a terrible name, name for terrible a dog. Terrible name. Terrible. That kid should be ashamed of himself. Of all the names for a dog. Rocks. Rocks. I am a rock. These movies are now at this point in the second and the third. We didn't mention it before, but they're just looking for excuses for Travolta to dance. Yeah. It was it was almost organic for the first movies, dancing with the baby. Well, but now it's, it's evolved to a point thing. where it's like there will always be a special place in my heart for the movie musical. There's also a Charles Barkley fantasy. Yes, which is I think pretty funny because I find right. that I find that girl funny. and a Travolta trapped in a block of ice fantasy. Pretty funny. The fantasy, but it's obviously glass. Little take. Yeah. So, there are some fantasy scenes. They're whatever. But the scene, yeah, yeah, the scene where they're both having the dream about the other one cheating on each other, How do they and dreams then, merge, and now they master. They're like they're dream masters. Yeah, like they're, they're just dream, like yes, Scott. I, they're I dream masters. I was waiting for like Freddy Krueger to come out and like ever play in the cat. I wrote, oh great, a twentieth excuse for Travolta to dance. He's gonna show her how to dance. <laughs> what oh, you don't know how to dance? Are you kidding me? You kidding me? It's all I ever do. <laughs> Let me pop my shoes off. Here we go. I got. I brought dad shoes with me. <laughs> you want to buy some? I got extra. <laughs> I bring them everywhere. A dozen. Um, he says a line at one point to her like, uh, "Oh, you probably got Prince Charles waiting in a condo somewhere." And she's like, "Oh, oh no!" And I just imagine her turning. Go. He's hideous. <laughs> Why would I want that? I mean. <laughs> 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 like Prince Charles, he's terrible looking. 
Oh, when she's driving, before she gets into the accident, when they're going toward the end, before they get attacked by wolves, she's spinning around, spinning out, and she's going, don't worry, kids, mommy's just playing. And I was like, how dark would that be if that's the last thing you said to your children before the car spun out and slammed into a tree and you all died? Like, yeah. who, why, who says, ha ha, we're just playing. Well, they should be afraid of car accidents. That's a know, reasonable thing Scott to be afraid to put of. put them at ease in case it's the last moment. They're just yes. playing. But like, that's where my head went. I'm like, that's Scott, fucking dark. When a child's walking into the gas chamber, sometimes you have to pretend to be a clown. Or you have to play oh, a piano. Oh, no. You have to do these things to give them a last happy memory. When's that movie coming out? <laughs> I'm just a jealous guy. Watch out. I'm just a jealous guy. Look out, baby. I'm just a jealous guy. This was an easy one. Put an ad in the paper looking for someone to hire Phil as a babysitter. He's been looking for work. Needs work. Somebody responded. So we sent Phil out. To be a babysitter in the spirit of this film. I mean, I mean, it's only a couple hours with a baby. I mean, what could happen? What could have happened? Hey, folks, Phil Cassell here, your field correspondent for the Trilogy Podcast. This week, I'm babysitting. It's been pretty easy so far. The little nipper's been asleep the whole time. <laughs> and now he's up. Probably just hungry. Uh, come here, little fella. Whoa! Who's this ugly fuck? I'm sorry? Yeah, I'm sorry too. Sorry that I'm looking at you. Okay. Where are my parents? Baby's talking. This can't be happening. Oh, this guy's a double threat. He's ugly and he's deaf. I said, where are my parents, jerk off? Listen, I know you just woke up and you're a little cranky. I'm a lot of cranky, you dumb motherfucker. Hey! Alright, now look here, you little shit. I'm getting a little sick of the insults, okay? Then why don't you do something about it, tough guy? What? Go on, you wanna take a poke at me? I'm not attacking a baby. Yeah, that's what I thought. Because you're weak. No, I- I bet you piss yourself more times a day than I do. Stop it. What? Are you gonna cry, you pussy? Sh shut up. Do something about it, dickless. Follow through on something and you're miserable. Piss-soaked life, you complete fucking failure! Oh, I'll kill you, you motherfucker! You piece of shit! You're home! I hope he didn't give you too much trouble. What the fuck are you oh, doing? Oh, no, 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 it's not what it looks like. He's being a dick! <laughs> I feel like this is the second or third year in a row that Phil spent the holidays in the hospital. Merry Christmas, Phil, okay? Merry Christmas, Phil. We... Good report. Thank you. Merry Christmas, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Scott, break it down for me. You definitely like these movies much more than me. If you say it's a successful trilogy, I'm going to crumb across this table. I'm going to choke you out. It's not. It's not a successful <sighs> trilogy. Um, it's kind of all over the place. Lost faith in mankind there. Um, I would say like if the first one had been made and left alone, I don't think the first one is like a bad idea. It's kind of cute. Second one, eh. they kind of did it again. And then, of course, the last one was just a weird justification of, yeah, we can turn that into a Look Who's Talking and put that name on it. It's an unsuccessful trilogy. I think I'm just going to go with the straight down the line, the one, two, three. Really? Yeah, I think so. Okay. So, for me, it was very similar. I didn't like any of these movies, really yeah. at all. Three was definitely going to be last. Right. All right. So, I went back and forth, because I think that two has funnier moments than one. One is a, a more well-constructed film. 
Travolta is is very winning for me, and Kirstie Alley is very appealing. Yeah. And it's the main characters and their love story that drive the film and make it almost tolerable. Bruce Willis adds nothing. Not, Not a single really. laugh. Yeah. So I'm going to go with you. It's our first, uh, I think, hey, agreement right. in a while, right? Yeah. High five across the table. Um, one, two, three for me. Yeah. All right? So we did it, Scott. Another kid's movie. We did it. All right? So ladies and gentlemen, always follow us on Instagram. Instagram is a great compliment to the podcast. I work so hard on it. All right? Yeah. We've got big things still coming with our Twitter account, and we hope you enjoy your holidays. Right, Scott? Yes, of course. All right. Of course we hope you enjoy your holidays. In fact, I hope you enjoy your holidays so much, I wanted to play this song, and I think I think you're really going to like it. No, I avoided talking about this song when we were talking about the No, third but film. I think it's important because it's the end of the third no. movie, so we, we should probably play it. Yay for Christmas. Merry Christmas, everyone. Goodbye. Christmas.